A happy second day of Christmas to each of you who are watching this morning. I wish that we were gathered in Elam Chapel, joyfully greeting each other and worshiping together and praising God. But it seemed prudent for us on this Lord's Day to gather virtually. For most people in our culture, the celebration of Christmas begins on Christmas Eve and ends sometime on Christmas Day after the gifts have been opened and the feasting has been done. But in the Christian tradition, the celebration of Christmas lasts not one day, but twelve, just like in the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two turtle doves. The tradition of Christmas lasting twelve days was established by a church council in 576 AD in the town of Tours in France. The twelve days are called Christmastide. So I again wish you a blessed and worshipful second day of Christmas. There are other names for today. For most Canadians, it's Boxing Day. In English history, this was a day for charity when gratuities were given to servants who were often given the day off in many homes. But for today, people, it's an opportunity to find good bargains. It's also the Feast of St. Stephen, which is mentioned in the old Christmas carol, Good King Wenceslas looked out on the Feast of Stephen. The Feast of Stephen commemorates the death of one of the first deacons of the church and the first Christian martyr, as recorded in Acts chapter 7. Obviously, we're not using the word feast literally, as in sitting down to a table laden with lots of food. So what does the word mean? A Christian feast is at its core a joyful celebration. That raises the question, what's joyful about the stoning of one of the church's first deacons? What is there to celebrate? Well, Stephen was a martyr, and the Greek word martus means witness. Stephen was a powerful witness to Jesus in the way he died. Now, while he was stoned to death, not slowly executed on a cross, he died just like Jesus, asking God to forgive those who were responsible for his death. That is what we celebrate, Stephen forgiving his executioners with the love of Jesus because his life had been changed and transformed by the risen Christ. There's one more title for this day. It's the Feast of the Holy Family, a day to joyfully give thanks to God for the family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, and also a day to be thankful for our own families. By the way, this feast day has its own roots in Canada. In 1667, the first bishop of New France, Bishop Laval, instituted the Feast of the Holy Family to be celebrated in what is now the province of Quebec. In 1921, Pope Benedict XV made this a feast for the entire Catholic Church around the world, and today it's celebrated in Lutheran churches, Anglican churches, and, and even non-denominational churches like Elam. The purpose of celebrating the Feast of the Holy Family is twofold. First, to recall and joyfully give thanks for the family in which Jesus, our Savior, was loved, protected, and nurtured as a child by the faithful love and care of Mary and Joseph. And the second purpose is to remind us of the importance of family and to hear God calling us to be holy families. I recently read this. Our God decided to enter human history in the midst of a family, indeed, as part of a family, and this demonstrates for us how very important family is. Yes, very important. 
There have been multiple studies identifying the family as the key building block of society and one of the primary influences in the shaping of our character. We see this in our own experience. Every one of us is to some degree a product of the family in which we were raised. In his insightful book, The Benedict Option, Rod Dreher wrote, The fate of religion in America is inextricably tied to the fate of the family, and the fate of the family is tied to the fate of the community. The Feast of the Holy Family reminds us that our community needs strong and godly families. Let us make it our goal to meet that need. The scripture readings you heard earlier this morning are from Luke chapter 2, and they focus our attention on the family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Before we explore those verses, let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, whose incarnation is the focus of Christmastide, may your Holy Spirit speak to us this morning, reminding us of the importance of family and leading us to new commitments to make our families holy. Amen. The two passages we heard from Luke's Gospel both end with the fact of Jesus' growth. The Holy Family was the place where Jesus grew. Verse 42, or verse 40 we read, And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. And in verse 52, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and man. The Gospel of Luke reminds us that the family is the primary place where growth happens. Family is the unique environment for physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual growth. And this growth starts with the parents. In every family, a wife, a husband, should seek to continue to grow as persons, becoming increasingly wise in judgment, and growing in the ability to face adversity by the development of good habits and the acquisition of godly character. In the same way, they are committed to the care, nourishment, and growth of their children. As we saw in Luke's Gospel, the family is the environment where children grow. The Feast of the Holy Family encourages us to aim at becoming holy families. So what should that look like? Let's pause a moment and think about the word holy. What does holy mean? We tend to think of something as holy because it's pure or beautiful, but that's only a part of it, certainly not the primary part. In the Old Testament, things were holy because they had been set apart for God and for His service. In Exodus 40, verse 9, we read, or we hear Moses say, Take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and everything in it. Consecrate it and all its furnishings, and it will be holy. That command to make things holy included all sorts of implements and tools for worship, cups, bowls, forks, even the shovels for removing the ashes from the altar. All these were holy, not because of the materials they were made from or because of their beauty. Each of these objects, including the building, were holy because they were set apart for the service of God and were to have no other use. A family is holy when it is set apart for and dedicated to God's service. What does our service look like? It looks like knowing God and making Him known by our actions and letting our words show the world around us who Jesus is and thus making us a blessing to others. So let's renew our efforts to make our families holy 
set apart to accomplish God's purposes in our world and to bring Him glory. Well, what practices help us reach that goal? There are the obvious things, such as regularly practicing Bible reading and prayer within the family. That sounds simple enough, but we all know that it's hard to do. We are so dreadfully busy in our world, and there's so many things in our environment calling for our attention, often as not electronic devices. We start, we stumble, and we begin again, only to run into innumerable obstacles. But let us not give up on our efforts to make space in our family for scripture and prayer. We should aim at regular times as much as is possible, but being prepared to be flexible at the same time. When children are young, a time in the evening might work well, maybe not so well when there are teenagers in the house. Praying doesn't need to be long, just meaningful. Memorizing prayers can be very helpful to our praying together as a family unit. Maybe start with the Lord's Prayer. It's been a long time since people learned to pray the Lord's Prayer in public schools. There are also great prayers in many church prayer books. Reading good books together and talking about them is another good thing to do. Our family is currently going through C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy. Keep working at creating good family times, creating reasons for the whole family to do something together. Make them enjoyable. Bring in other families to join with you in these times. Share meals together as often as possible around a table as opposed to sitting in front of a TV. Share your thoughts and your experiences with each other talking about the good and the not so good. A tradition many of us grew up with involved having a box of cards on the dinner table and each meal we would pull a card and read the Bible verse that was printed on it and then talk about it. We should also encourage each other in Christian service and in community volunteerism. Wendy has been very helpful to me in encouraging me to do this sort of thing. Jesus expects us to be salt and light in our world, which clearly means we need to be involved in our communities, in our schools, in our neighborhoods. Finally, let us do all we can to help each other grow in character. There is an explicit expectation in Scripture that this will be our aim. The epistle reading for the Holy Family Sunday calls us to this kind of character development, as we heard earlier. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Paul describes the kind of people we should be, and his words seem particularly applicable to family life. We should practice being in our families, compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, and patient. Helping us to be holy people to those in our own family. Putting up with one another, even when we're annoyed, which can be often. Forgiving each other as we've been forgiven, regardless of the grievance. And loving each other. As we learn to live this way in relationship with each other in our homes, then we can be used by God to encourage and bless those with whom we rub shoulders in our communities. If, like me, you feel like you haven't done a good job of this, don't give up. Depend on God's mercy. Ask Him for help. Remember, 
God wants us to be holy families, and he knows what we need. Ask others in the church for help. Let's use the resources that Justina has given us. As I close, I want to revisit the matter of electronic distractions in our home. I read these words written by a Christian father this past week. When we perceive a threat to the moral life of our family, we must flee from that threat or root it out of our homes. In a community of love and sharing, we first look after those in our charge and provide a protective environment in which they can develop. There are things available on our computers, our phones, our streaming services that are not helpful to a family that is seeking to be a God-oriented, holy family. The most effective solution sometimes is to pull the plug and to establish some standards. To name a few, no screens at a table during a meal, no screens in bedrooms in the evening. Let's be very cautious with our social media. Our aim is to remove those impediments from our environment which would keep us from being a holy family. One of the things that I greatly appreciate about Elam is that it believes in families. That's the reason we have a family pastor, Justina, who serves with the aim of strengthening our families. Let us give thanks today for her service and support her by making ourselves available to her when needed. Her passion is to help our families grow in godliness and holiness. Let us pray. O oh God, who was pleased to give the shining example of the Holy Family, graciously grant that we may imitate them in practicing the virtues of family life and the bonds of charity, and so, in the joy of your house, delight one day in, a return, in eternal rewards through Jesus Christ our Lord, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. And hear the words of Scripture as our closing benediction. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. God bless you. A happy second day of Christmas.